All right, all right. We're off to a great start, guys. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. So uh, where's Tom at? Yeah, okay. Tom, I, I don't know if I can see your facial expressions from here. He told me he'd tell me how I was doing. He also told me that I'm a guest speaker, so I can say whatever I want. I don't have to come back. But what he, <laughs> what he failed to realize in that is this is the first time I've ever preached on Mother's Day, and my mother-in-law is sitting right over here. So I really can't say whatever I want. Um, I, I, <laughs> you know, I have to be a, a little guarded here, make sure I don't mess up. We won't be welcome back to Charlottesville. Uh, I'm preaching this morning on, on the power of words. So I want to talk about the words that we say to our mothers and the words that mothers say to us uh, that, that really change our lives. Uh, in the English language, uh, well, Webster's Dictionary says there's 470,000 words. Uh, some say the English language consists of over one million words. Uh, depends on how you, how you judge it, right? So who would think teriyaki uh, would, would be part of our language now? Teriyaki? Anybody? All right, I mean, I, I say teriyaki a lot. What about cannoli? Okay, so I mean, so do you consider those words English words or not? They're part of our vocabulary. So, so when you start including all those things, what about, uh, what about the word post? The word post can have 12 different meanings. What about the word ran or run or runs? Is that one word or three words? There are some English major out there. I know that. Like, it knows all the answers uh, to these questions. Don't critique me on that this morning. Um, I have enough problems. <laughs> uh, but think of, think of all the different ways. Moms this morning that we can say that you are great or greater. We can say that you're cooler. We can say you're higher, although that may have other implications. Uh, we can say that you're larger, but that probably wouldn't work. Uh, you're the largest, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work. Uh, leading, the most, outstanding. Here, we're getting some better ones here. Outstanding, preeminent, super, superlative, terrific, greater, and all of its synonyms can describe our moms, right? But there's another word that I think moms would probably say describe them more often. What word would you think a mom would say describes them more often? I can say this for my wife. Tired. Tired. That's exactly <laughs> the word. Nailed it. Even if it weren't, I would say that it was right now just because that made you happy, Lori. <laughs> it, it, it actually was. That word is tired. Moms, maybe you get tired of expressing how tired you are by simply using the word tired. So today, I'm going to give you a ton of options that you can use to explain how tired you are. Use one of these today, at least. I'm all in. I'm beat. I'm beaten. I'm bleary. I'm burned out. I'm bushed. I'm dead. I'm done. I'm drained. Exhausted. Fatigued. Jaded. Limp. Loggy. Played out. Pooped. Spent, tapped out, tuckered, washed out, wearied, weary, wiped out, worn, worn out. And if that wasn't enough, taking it a step further, how about this one? I, I, I think Chelsea would, would, uh, would probably take this one over most of the others. I, can, I am over-fatigued. Now, dads may think they're over-fatigued sometimes, but uh, that's just because we, like, woke up in the middle of the night, we are having a nightmare, and we were up for five minutes. Now, Chelsea is up, like, you know, every hour and a half, and somehow she still makes it uh, through the day. But over-fatigued, overtaxed, overworked, broken down, run down, debilitated, enervated, enfeebled, sapped, weakened, drowsy, heavy, sleepy, lethargic, sluggish. 
So moms, you don't have to just be tired today. You can use one of these words to better define your situation and your level of exhaustion next time. You see, our words can express how we feel in a variety of different ways. They can help us understand other people, and they can help other people understand us. Words can be defined or can be used to define who we are. Oftentimes we, we use words to define what our professions are. Sometimes we use it, we use words to define our character. Our words also have a great deal of power. They can be both a force for good and a force for evil. They can build up and they can tear down. And all of you have experienced those things. Frederick Nietzsche once said, all I need is a sheet of paper and something to write with, and then I can turn the world upside down. Did he? Was his a force for good or a force for evil? Scripture tells us this. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, that's some powerful language, right? Some powerful language to to explain what we can do simply by the words that come out of our mouths. The power of the tongue is great. It has the ability to build up and to destroy, to encourage and to tear down. Let's consider how words have been used to change the course of history. One of my favorite presidents, Abraham Lincoln, a scholar said about him, to approach Lincoln's presidency from the aspect of his writing is to come to grips with the degree to which his pen, to alter the proverb, became his sword arguably his most powerful presidential weapon. We all know some of his most famous words, words that came at a a pivotal moment in, in time in the history of our country, words that at the moment were viewed as fairly unremarkable. In Gettysburg, a great crowd had gathered for the dedication of the cemetery where months earlier the costliest battle in our country's history had taken place. You guys know the the name of the man who spoke before Abraham Lincoln? Anybody tell me? Edwards Everett. Edwards Everett is most famous, actually, for speaking before President Lincoln. But he also was a famed orator. He, He had been brought there that day to be the main speaker. He was a former senator, a secretary of state. He was the president of Harvard University. And he was the one to speak prior to Abraham Lincoln. Edwards Everett's speech lasted for almost two hours. It was 13,000 words long. In comparison, my sermon today is only 18,000. I'm sorry. 
4,200 today. Lincoln's, however, the number of words in Abraham Lincoln's speech, 272, lasted just under two minutes. The latter part of that address says this, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Those words both determine the course of a nation and, as we know, the fate of many individuals. Arguably, that speech changed the world. Everett, the man who spoke prior to Lincoln, later wrote to Abraham Lincoln, and he said this, I should be glad if I could flatter myself that I came as near to the central idea of the occasion in two hours as you did in two minutes. <laughs> See, that's the thing about words. You don't have to use many to make an impact. A few words can have the same effect, maybe even a greater effect, than the use of many words. Later, and this is one of, my fa- one of the favorites of my kids, we listen to it every year, and then I give my rendition, which I'm not going to do this morning. Uh, That's one of their favorite things for me uh, to talk about. And that is, uh, that is a speech given in front of the Lincoln Memorial on the National Ball by someone named Martin Luther King Jr. These eloquent and aspirational words shaped the next 50 years of our country, and they still are, bringing attention to the need for a united country, the need for all of us to view each other as equal, as God's children. In it, he said this, I say to you today, my friends, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that our nation will rise up, live out the true true meaning of this creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Only a few people may be granted the opportunity to change the course of human history, to shape an entire nation, to bring light to suffering or injustice. Many of us will never have a chance to make one speech and impact millions of people. That being said, many of us have experienced the transformational power of words directed just to us. It may have come from a parent It may have come from a teacher. Maybe it was from a preacher or a sibling. Possibly it came from someone that you barely know that made a comment in passing. And regardless of our position in society, we've all spoken words to others that have impacted them greatly. Perhaps your words have been empowering. Maybe they've been challenging. They could have been spoken in pure emotion and and they could have been debilitating to the recipient. You may be aware of it, or it may be, may be something that you don't even recall ever speaking. But your words have great power. 
So today I want to explore the power of words. Moms, for you, I want you to consider the great impact that you can have on the lives of your children by the words that come from your mouth. How you have the ability to shape them. The impact that you have reaches decades into the future, long past your lifetime. For the rest of us, I want to consider the power of our words to our mothers. The power we have to build up and not to tear down. The power we have to encourage, to honor, show gratitude. Today, I want to consider the things we can say to each other, from mothers and to mothers, that can change the course of our relationships. These words can comfort, they can empower, and they can fill with joy. Let's first consider God's word. Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Think about this, guys. Think about this. Words created everything that we see. Even the things that we can't see, they were created by words. Words brought the entire universe in all its vastness into existence. Words gave life to the human race. Words established the moon, the stars. Words made the earth spin on its axis and travel around the sun. Words made something out of nothing. Those words God spoke were just the beginning of life. His words through revelation have continued to give life throughout human history, culminating in the word becoming flesh in the person of Jesus. Today, we know from his word the power that words have. From others, understand the great impact that the word of God can have on your children. I recently read the story of a lady who some considered to be an expert in motherhood. She tells of an impassioned argument that she was having with her husband, and, and it got a little bit heated, and voices had been raised a little bit. I know that never happens. Certainly never happens in my house. Uh, not with the windows up, at least. Uh, but but uh, as the argument continued... An older couple showed up at their door, an older couple from church. And even though they, they heard what was going on inside the house, undoubtedly, they knocked anyways. And, uh, and they opened the door. And after opening the door and facing some, some probably some very awkward moments, uh, the conversation came to the point where the younger couple, they were asking for parenting advice from the older couple. The coffee table in front of them was filled with parenting books. You know, like, you know, the three ways to be the best parent, seven ways to raise boys and girls. You guys know all those. <laughs> they had all kinds of wisdom and knowledge in front of them. But there's something that the older couple noticed that was missing from the coffee table. They acknowledged the presence of all the books on the table. And obviously, these parents had an interest in, in being the expert parent, right? But there was one exclusion, and that was God's word. You see, in all of our strivings to become the expert, sometimes we forget to seek out the only expert. We forget to consult the living word, God's revelation that we find in Scripture. So moms, the main words for you to share with your children are not found in parenting books. They're not found on blogs, on Facebook memes, or vlogs, Chelsea. 
<laughs> Blogs, that's too cool for most of us. Uh, they're not even found in great literature from the past. They're found in God's word. Moms, today make it a day where you place greater emphasis on reading God's word. Keep it present in your mind and on your lips. Deuteronomy 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God's word seamlessly translates into our words. We know that out of the mouth comes the overflow of a man's heart. So what's overflowing from our hearts? What type of words do we get from Scripture that should define our relationships with mothers? Mothers, what types of words from Scripture should define the relationship that you have with your children? One, three, one theme throughout Scripture that is important to understand in our relationships is the concept of grace. From that concept flow two things each of us need to say to our mothers. And two things that mothers should keep their children, make sure that they understand. Really, it's, it's a principle that spans relationship type. It's not just in that relationship. But I think it's especially important in the relationship of mother and child. Here are the two things. Number one, we're not experts. None of us, right? Number two, I forgive you. One of the hardest things for most of us to do is to admit that we're wrong. <laughs> that we're maybe not the expert. At the heart of the difficulty associated with saying I'm sorry is the fact that we're essentially admitting that we're wrong when we do that. The actual words are easy. Meaning them, meaning I'm sorry. That's the hard part, as my wife reminds me. Somehow when I just say I'm sorry, it's not enough. I have to mean it in my face. You know what I mean? You guys get that too? Well, you don't really mean you're sorry or you wouldn't look at me like that. <laughs> I love you, Chelsea. Um, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so the root of our problem is admitting that, that maybe we're not the expert. Okay, so Chelsea and I have been parents for just over eight years. And... When we first became parents, Steve and Lori lived in, in Florida. And I, I can remember, I think it was the first time we went to visit. And um, of course, we already knew how to do everything. I mean, we were already experts. Like, you know, five months in, we already knew everything. And um, so we, we told them, Lori wanted to take care of Zeb while we went out uh, to a state park with Steve and, and the kids. And uh, we told Lori, all you have to do to get Zeb to sleep. You just gotta hold him really tight and rock really hard. <laughs> and eventually he'll scream for 45 minutes, but he'll pass out. You know, he'll be fine. So we knew the technique to use. And don't you dare tell us that we just gotta lay him in there and scream for 45 minutes. That's not us and we're the experts and we know better than you. So we weren't experts. And it's amazing to me, eight years in, I thought I would have it all together, you know, as a parent. I thought I would know everything. Um, but now with four kids, I'm realizing more and more that you may know about that kid 
but you don't know how to deal with that kid. And that kid is Asher for us, the four-year-old, by the way, if you're wondering. We went to Monticello yesterday, and, and uh, the guy told us not to touch anything, of course, going in. Here we are bringing four kids, eight and under, into Monticello. And uh, Asher looked at Nana and said, what did he say? If we can't touch anything, how can, why are we able to touch the floor? So <laughs> that, that's Asher. <laughs> you know, my, my line of work is associated with, with politics, and I was recently asked to come speak to a group of, of younger individuals that were wanting to get involved in, in the political world. And uh, when I was speaking, I told them, honestly, I said a lot of the opportunities that I've had have, have fallen into my lap. You know, I, I can't say that, that the things that, the opportunities that I have are because I'm some expert. And I admitted to them that I'm not an expert, even though I'm supposed to be. And in the political world, that's a no-no. You have to claim victory, and you were the reason for it. Uh, but, but, you know, we're not experts, and it's okay if we say that. In the mom world, the pressure is even greater than in the political world. In the mom world, you're supposed to be an expert. You're supposed to have it all together. As Steve puts it, moms see the highlight reels of all other mothers. Mostly that's on Facebook. Well, we're not going to post like a video of us yelling at our children, right? I mean, <laughs> that would be silly. We've got to keep up that image. It's expected that you should be able to do three jobs all at the same time. Maybe we could, we could go on and on. It could probably be like 300 jobs. You're supposed to look out for the spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being of your children, whether young or, or adult, all while somehow maintaining your own spiritual, physical, and emotional needs. Not only that, but you should, uh, you should also be a good cook. You should do the laundry, you should clean the house, feed the homeless, heal the sick, and post it all on Facebook for the world to see how great you are. That is, I mean, that's a great deal of pressure, right? You have to be the expert in so many things. So moms, the words that you need to hear today is that you can say, I'm not an expert, and that's okay. I don't have it all together. I'm trying, but I still have work to do. For the rest of us, we need to be saying, look, Moms, you have it way more together than we do, right? We, we, we are not appreciative all the time of our mothers, but let's be honest. They have a whole nother level, and I'm just not there. Chelsea's like a machine. I don't know how she operates most times, but she continues to go on and on. But that's the way moms are. So let's, let's say it together. I'm not an expert. One more time. I'm not an expert. All right. Secondarily, and along the same lines, we need to explore the words, I forgive you. Again, like I'm sorry, it comes with a certain degree of vulnerability, right? Saying I forgive you means we're acknowledging something has offended us. It, it hurt us. Not only that, but we are, we're not going to hold those offenses against the other person. It goes back to seeing each other the way God does. For some of you this morning, it's imperative for you to get from this message the need to have have forgiveness for your mother. Maybe she hurt you greatly by overlooking something, by not understanding the pain that you were suffering as a child. Maybe she left you alone when you needed her most. Maybe she chose others over you. The message to you this morning is forgive. For moms, you may feel like you've poured your entire life into your children and there is never an ounce of gratitude. For mothers of young children, you're up in the middle of the night, you're sleep deprived, and more is constantly being demanded of you. 
You can never give enough snacks, right? Especially with growing boys, there are never enough snacks. And just when you sit down to eat your food is the time when they're finishing their food that you prepared, to them, prepared for them before you sit down to eat your food. No matter what you do, it's never enough. For mothers of adult children, your children still haven't come to grips with the amount that you've poured into them. We're beginning to understand, but we don't know yet. As they ventured into adulthood, you seem to be an afterthought. So many priorities come before you, their mom. They are consumed with their own lives, and you wonder sometimes if you even exist. For some moms in your later years, you're lonely. You hope for a visit, but it just doesn't come. You wonder if they'll be there when you need them most. There's so many unmet expectations. And unmet expectations oftentimes lead to bitterness and anger. That's where most of our pain comes from, right? It's not even necessarily that someone has done something that is blatantly against us or hurtful towards us. Sometimes it's just that people haven't met our expectations. Unmet expectations. You know what, though? Do any of us really meet expectations? So let's, let's let go of those, those unmet expectations, all of us this morning. Let's let go and begin to love each other freely. Forgive those who have wronged you greatly. Forgive those who have not met what your expectations are. When we're able to do that, we can have relationships that are truly able to flourish. Ephesians tells us this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You guys know Kyle Adelman? He's a much better speaker than I am, and much more handsome, I think. Uh, but he, he preaches at Southeast in Louisville, just, just uh, south of where Chelsea and I live. Kyle Eidelman says this. If you guys haven't read his book, Grace is Greater, you should read it, like this week. Why, when we're instructed to grow up and become more mature in Christ, is the emphasis placed on offering grace and forgiveness? I think it's because we're never more like God than when we forgive. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But some of the most powerful words in the mother-child relationship are, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. But some other words hit close to home as well. And that's this, this last one. That is, I believe in you. And I'm not talking about some mushy-gushy, I believe in you, and you, know, you, you can do anything you set your mind to. That's okay. But I want to talk about a different type of I believe in you in the rest of this sermon. You know, my mom has always told me that she loves me. I mean, they're, they're really, anytime we have a conversation or see each other, she says, I love you. All the time. And I know that. I know that she loves me deeply. I'm not sure yet that I understand the extent or the context of loving an adult child, but I know I'll figure that out here someday. We've each told each other we're sorry multiple times. We've forgiven each other. 
sometimes after words have been spoken that were hurtful. We've made it through some rough patches, some that were our own fault, and other, uh, other times it was a result of situations that we found ourselves in that we had nothing to do with. Those words that brought forgiveness and grace were important. But a few other words from my mom made a, a very strong impact on me. My mom is, is not sentimental at all, okay? So my dad is the sentimental one. Like, he's, he's the, uh, the mushy-gushy guy. Sorry, Dad, that was probably insulting if, if he's hearing this. But, uh, but, but he is, uh, he's the uh, sentimental guy of the bunch. My mom's not. It's changed a little bit as she's gotten older, and I think especially with grandkids. But, uh, but she's not. So it's not surprising that one of the most impactful things that my mom ever said to me, it actually came to me through a third party. She didn't say it directly to me. Uh, it came to me from someone else. Uh, when I was in college, I ran across a lady that I used to work with. I was at the grocery store that, that I had worked in when I was in high school. And the lady said, yeah, your mom was in here the other day. And she said, uh, I'm never going to doubt anything Justin said because he always does it. Now, I didn't see myself that way. And I'm, most of the time, I still don't see myself that way. But I can tell you that, that those words... They've been very impactful on me. You know, they may have been said in passing. They may have been said without much thought. Who knows, my mom may not even remember saying those words. But to me, those words have helped define me. Those words have brought life. They've given, given me hope when I doubted myself. They have encouraged me to push through difficult circumstances. And this is, this is what I wanted to get to with that. I think that, that a mom's view of their children is closer to God's view of his children than anyone else. And I want to tell you why. Moms see the good and the bad, right? They see all our faults, yet they see all of our strengths, sometimes when we don't. They know all of our mistakes. They know our shortcomings. They know our failures, yet they see through it. To have someone know you so well to understand what's behind the facade and still believe in you, that makes you believe that you really can overcome, that you really can be someone different, that you can be transformed and that you can be a new creation. You guys know the, the great inventor, Thomas Edison. Incandescent light bulb, phonograph, motion pictures. I'm reading all these biographies now, so I've got a ton of this, I got a ton of this stuff. You know, these little kids, they're kids' biographies, which are perfect for, for me, uh, but, uh, but they're great. Steve, actually, I got him roped in yesterday, Thomas Jefferson biography yesterday. Uh, you know, he's, he's impacted our lives in significant ways, right? But as a child, he spent only a few months in formal education. Yeah, he was a very curious child. Now, our eight-year-old is that curious child. I mean, he is unstoppable always asking questions. I can't wait until you know, we give him free reign over Google so that he can just look up things all day long and I don't have to do it. Uh, but he's, you know, Edison was a very curious child and extremely active. His teacher told him he'd never learn and labeled him as addled. We'd call that hyperactive today, I think. His teacher went as far as to say that it wouldn't be worthwhile to keep him at school any longer. Well, that's where his mother came in. 
Edison was quoted in an article later saying this, I was so hurt by this last straw that I burst out crying and went home and told my mother about it. Then I found out what a good thing a mother is. She came out as my strong defender. Mother love was aroused. Mother pride wounded to quick. She brought me back to the school and angrily told the teacher that he didn't know what he was talking about, that I had more brains than he himself, and a lot more talk like that. In fact, she was the most enthusiastic champion that a boy ever had. And I determined, listen to this, and I determined right then that I would be worthy of her and show her that her confidence was not misplaced. You see, with this label, that could have spelled the end for Edison. These words tend to be words that define us well beyond the speaker's intent. In this case, however, Edison's mother offset those words by her own words. It's an opportunity that, that all of us have. It's the opportunity to give words of life, words of empowerment, words of joy. It's the opportunity we have to help people see the way we see them and ultimately the way God sees them. And I, I know that we have another strong defender of their children in the room when it comes to Lori Malone as well. She was telling me a little bit about her, uh, her baseball field conversations. But it goes well beyond that, Lori, and we know. But we're thankful for our mothers that are strong defenders and help us to see the way God sees us. That's what moms have the greatest ability to do. They have the ability to help their children see them the way God sees them. That means several things. First of all, it means that usually moms know their children better than anyone else. They've seen them at the best and at their worst. They've seen them strong in public and crying at home. They've seen their heartbreak and their mistakes, their triumphs and their successes, and they know their children. Because they know them, they also see what's possible. They rarely give up. They often go the extra mile. They do for their children what others would not do. Their words can lift their children from a dark place and bring them to light. I recently asked people to tell me the most impactful things that, that their mom had ever said to them. And you guys probably have a few of those sentences that are popping up in your head that your mom told you throughout your whole life that have impacted you, even to this day. Here are some of the responses that, that I got. Do your best and leave the rest. You are who you hang out with. Treat others the way you want to be treated. If it's a job worth doing, it's a job worth doing well. I love you forever and ever and ever. It's one of my favorites. Don't marry a farmer. <laughs> that came from a lady whose father was a farmer. I like this one too. Hand me my paddle. This one. What made you, what made you think you could eat that? It must have been really bad. Be a Tide Pod. Uh, you can do anything. Act your age. Trust in God. And this one, it doesn't matter where you begin. It matters where you end up. And Jesus will help you get there if you let him. 
for what moms wanted to hear from their children, I got these responses. My heart belongs to Jesus, and my purpose is to always serve him. Mom, I cleaned my room, and now I'm going to help clean the house. (laughs) You're right, Mom. I am great. (laughs) For someone who lost their son, she put, Mom, I'm with Jesus now. These responses are, they're extremely valuable. And these, these words are powerful in their own right. They're words of wisdom. They're words of gratitude. They're words of grace and discipline all wrapped together. But you know what? I, I'm not oblivious to the fact that our, all of our relationships are not as straightforward, right? They're not as simple. Sometimes they're messy. And, and sometimes I can tell you that I don't understand a mother's response. I haven't always understood my mom's response in certain situations. I don't understand the level of grace they're able to show, the level of forgiveness. And I knew that that some of the responses, although they're they're good responses, I knew I I wanted to seek out some responses from maybe some people that didn't didn't want to put it out in public. And so I sought out this lady uh, from my hometown. I knew she was facing a difficult situation this week. I knew Mother's Day this year would likely be more complicated than ones in the past, even if she's faced difficult ones before. Her son had been up and down, and and, and he had faced addiction, and and Thursday he was released from jail. So I sent her a message on Facebook, and I felt really awkward doing it, but, but I wanted to give another perspective, so I did it anyways. I asked her if I could get her response. What is something you'd like to hear from your son what is something you'd like to say to him? These are, this was her response. She told me she needed overnight to think about it, and then about a half hour later, she sent me a message. She said, thanks for making me emotional. I saw someone ask this on Facebook a few days ago. I think that was me. Uh, I read all of the, the good Christian answers. I've always looked at my son through a different lens than the rest of the world sees him. I see his electric smile, his funny personality, his outgoing nature. I see so much potential. I have always told him he is capable of anything he sets his mind to. I have prayed so long for him to see this. He has so many gifts, God-given gifts. I would tell him all of these things again and again. I have always tried to make him believe he's worth it. Not just worth the unconditional love of an earthly mother, but worth the love of a heavenly father, a father who gave everything for us. I would give anything for my son to really get it, for him to look at me and feel proud of himself, for him to say to me, I'm worth it. That's the power that a mother's words can have. Helping their children understand that they're worth it. They're worth it not just to them, but they're worth it to God. This morning, moms help us understand that God says these words, you are worth it. That's the love a mother can communicate. Moms, this morning, we thank you for looking at us differently. 
We thank you for putting up with us, for forgiving us. We thank you that you always let us come back, that you always forgive. We appreciate the fact that even when we aren't grateful, you continue to give. We thank you most of all for helping us understand love that is unconditional, love that is supernatural. We thank you for helping us see that we're worth it. Not just worth it to you, but worth it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, God, for this day when we celebrate mothers. And we thank you that, that the love of a mother can, can help communicate the love that you have for us. The fact that you said that we are worth it. That we are worth sending your son to die for our sins so that we can be with you for eternity. God, help us to honor our mothers today. Help us to understand that love and to love them freely in return. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.